Audiences and critics can't believe what they're seeing. Listen to me. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Tom Cruise has outdone himself with a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes! Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is filled with holy sh** moments. What is happening? This is why we go to the movies. Oh, I like her. It's pulse pounding. It will rock your world with jaw-dropping action. Is this where we run? Go, 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 go! Probably. It's one of the best action movies ever made. What more can I say? See it in the biggest, most seat-shaking theater you can find. It will take your breath away. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Your mission this week, man, fam, should you choose to accept it. Listen to Richard and I attempt to discuss all of Mission Impossible 7 and all that Dead Reckoning Part 1 had to offer. Because it's a lot. I'm out about movies. Welcome in. I'm Kent. Joined by, as I said, co-host Richard this week. What's up, Richard? What's going on? How are you? Doing well, man. Another big screen movie experience mm. on the weekend in the summer. Cars flying around, people flying around, mm-hmm. crews still trying to win everybody over. And he's won me over a long time ago. I don't know why he's sure. still, still trying to do that. But yeah, you know, it feels normal, which is great. It does. It does. I'm doing this podcast sprinting, by the way. I'm going to try to get four or five miles in. Really extending the elbows and the hands. That's how you really pump. So going for a cruise. long way to go, my friend, too. To get to cruise level. But I have some tips for you after the show mm. on some lifestyle changes you could make mm. that Tom Cruise has chosen to do that could, cool. that could help. Was that the, has anything to do with the flyer you put on my car? It does. Okay. We'll talk about Can't it after wait. the show. So, man, what a complicated production this was. What an, what an insane story Mission Impossible 7 Dead Reckoning Part 1 <laughs> is. And... I think we should start kind of where we left off when this first got delayed, Richard, mm-hmm. and quote unquote, the outburst. What mm. were your thoughts at that moment? Not surprised. You know, this is someone who's, you know, I think the first adjective you would say about uh, Mr. Cruz as an actor, as a producer, and as a human being would be intense. And so yep. not surprised on the outburst during the making of this. Seemed on brand. It seems like something you, you sign up for. He's someone that holds people to a really high standard, but I think everyone really is up for it because he holds himself to the highest standard and is, you know, what everyone may think about his, you know, personal belief system and all of that. I think a very admirable coworker and producer that people like working for because, you know, as we've talked about on the show before, um, his batting average is pretty high for 40 years, which is absurd, as we always say. You know, it's funny. I think there's like a cost. I don't think it's about. Um, it's not about. It's not about cruise, but Closterman has a thing. Like we, when you talk about rock music, or any kind of music, and you you talk. Let's say you're talking about '60s rock, and you're saying, okay, well, there's the Beatles, and there's the Rolling Stones, and there's the Who, and all into the '70s with Zeppelin, and you know, a million bands. And uh, 
you know, as as time goes on, those bands shrink and there ends up kind of being one from that era. And even for the, you know, it might be in 500 years when you think about music in the 20th century, you will just only think of the Beatles for the entire hundred years, you know? And when you start putting together 40 year runs of, of movies, you know, it might be like when, when people were talking about what was this art form called cinema in 2060, 2650, they might go, well, there was two movies. There was Star Wars and there was Tom Cruise. And that was pretty much the only kind of movies that were because everything else just kind of falls away to history. That's how like huge his canon is. Um, it seems absurd now, but it's no one else has like a 20 year run and now he has a 40 year run. So there's a certain intensity that comes with that and maintaining that and wanting to maintain that because God knows he's got enough money. And so, yeah, he's probably going to yell at the crew for not wearing their mask and stuff like that's par for course. So, um, you know, didn't phase me, but was excited for this one. Uh, Macquarie seems to be in many ways, you know, they seem to be each other's muse a, a bit. You know, it's funny because that partnership really started with the Jack Reacher films, which were fine. The first one's fine and the second one's pretty bad. But like, you know, it's that I did not see that this would be the person that Cruz reinvented himself completely with, with more, you know, a different take on a Mission Impossible as that kind of rebooted within the existing narrative. And then obviously Top Gun 2, which McCory wrote. So it's a fascinating career. And this is, uh, you know, very much par for course in that it's a very entertaining, fun movie that everyone seems to enjoy. Um, it didn't completely crush at the box office because of uh, some demographic stuff and things like this. This this franchise skews a little older uh, for whatever reason. But everyone that sees these is into these, it seems like. So it's yeah. kind of my opening salvo. What about you, Kent? Yeah. The Mummy, honestly, in uh, what year was yeah. that? 2017. That's really the only real miss yeah. that Cruz has had. I mean, Jack Reacher was a miss Those critically, but yeah. I, I don't think you know they were a huge loss or anything like that. It, it was just kind of no, I think they middling, well. I mean, a middling kind of franchise that never really yeah. latched on. Kind of latched on. It latched on enough for one sequel, but not two kind of right. way. So, well, I think too that that. Yeah, I don't know. I need to look at the maybe they do those. another one after after Cruz has That's what I'm thinking. reinvented like himself as an action star. Maybe like maybe people will like Jack Reacher. Like convince themselves again that Jack Reacher could be sure. a thing. <laughs> Roseman Pike, great too. Um, sure, but uh, yeah, they, may, and they those are like the lower rent in terms of budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mission Impossible's like those cost sixty. They made two hundred. You know, it's a great right. return, but it's like. They don't need to make those anymore because then Macquarie got brought into Mission Impossible. So it's like, well, so why don't now, we do something for two hundred and make eight hundred? Give you money, yeah. now. yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, that's a, it's an interesting question because this this obviously seems like the first of the finale, right? They're ending this yeah. thing in in some way, or at least Cruz is, yeah. is ending this. I don't know if Macquarie stays around and they reboot this. I, I mean, it's too valuable of a of mm-hmm. an IP not to reboot. It's too easy to reboot. Just, right. just get new agents, right? <laughs> it's not that hard. Right. And so I think, you know, that could be pretty interesting. But yeah, Macquarie and him are really interesting because he has just used Macquarie. Okay, here's what I'm going to do and you're going to film it. It's pretty much <laughs> yeah. what it yeah. comes down to. These no, motorcycle stunts, active. he goes off on his own yeah. and trains for like years or, you know, a year. He said he did 13,000 bike jumps and 500 skydives for this movie. He's the, he, who else does that? I know. That's, um, that's pretty, pretty insane. I wouldn't do 500 skydives in 500 lifetimes. So, 
So he's got me he, beat. He is. It, it's funny, you know. I think people have really come around on his legendary. You know, as he keeps upping the ante in these with these stunts, kind of becomes the side narrative of these movies, and it's great. I think it's it's awesome, and we've talked about it before. Like he wants us to like him so bad, he will, you know, maybe kill himself one day. But he'd the, be fine with thing, that. Yeah, I think that he'd be going out in a blaze of glory for sure. As he's gotten older, I think he's cared less about acting more than just being a movie star. He's more just being a movie star now. But he's very good in a lot of movies. Probably should have won an Oscar for Magnolia. You know, he's great in Jerry Maguire. Collateral. A lot of stuff. Collateral, he's unbelievable in. Like, he's a very, he can be a very good actor. I don't think he's particularly great. He probably deserved an Oscar for that. Yeah. He's not the rangiest actor, but he's a very good actor. But he, you know, he doesn't wear that hat as much anymore. But he is. It's not like he just, the thing I don't think he gets enough credit for is he's not just a, you know, executive produced by Tom Cruise because I'm the biggest star in it and I put my name on that and I can make more money. He, he's a great producer. I mean, he really is an active, almost co-director um, and co-screenwriter of these movies. You know, he, he really oversees the entire mission, so to speak. And uh, Macquarie, you know, can is a is a perfectly capable director, and they they put these scripts together. But I think it all really comes from a really, you know, he he Cruz doesn't get enough credit as as I think one of the better uh, producers going right now. You know, I think that's his best skill. Yeah, yeah. You, I keep see I this movie see open like, as it says a Tom Cruise production. You're like, wow, it's it's a real thing. No, it really is. It's yeah. not just like him just saying like, oh, no, I want to, I want the residuals forever. No, he produces these. Yeah. Like, he he could be Kevin Feige. Right. Like in a weird, like he has that skill set. Like he knows how to. Um, he knows the he has, formula like, for yeah. big blockbuster. Sure. You got to hit these action points at this time. I mean, he seems to know exactly what audiences want from him and how mm-hmm. to deliver that. And how to tell uh, a director to deliver that. I mean, it goes back It goes back pretty far. I mean, yeah, what was that? Edge of Tomorrow was 2014. I mean, pretty much mm-hmm. ever since then, he seemed to have a, a pretty clear vision. Of yeah, there was a couple lost years in there where the things you know, the, weren't the, hitting the like they expected. And, yeah, you know, the, he jumped yeah. on the sofa and, and everyone was you know a little weirded out by him for a while with the Katie Holmes situation I, and all of that valid. And then, you know, you make a couple, you know, if you do good movies, people tend to forget that for the most part, unless you're, you know doing really really heinous things yeah he's he's pretty goofy but sure we had this con this conversation a little bit last week in the vip in which we talked about bullet mm-hmm. the steve mcqueen classic so yeah check that conversation out at madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash vip if you would like more from us about how there really hasn't been a movie star like steve mcqueen that just has the reputation of yeah total badass and never mm-hmm. lost that until the end <laughs> Yeah, and and was that in every single movie? I, I mean, even The Rock is kind of losing that <laughs> at this point, oh, yeah. right? Well, The Had Rock that... started by doing like the Tooth Fairy, so it's right. like, did he ever have it? Even though he's a you know giant scary man, it's just an extreme. I mean, we think about macho movie star and how there's you know they're a dime a dozen or whatever, but they're really not. I mean, it's no. there's a it's a pretty tough thing to do. Would it... Cruz have that if not for the couch incident? No, I does think the he, the dancing in the underwear and all that ruin it for him early on, or could he? Well, that's twenty years into his career. Once Mission Impossible it. started, could he have been that? Had you know a few more things not gone right, just from a film perspective? Yeah, maybe. I I think he had something to overcome early on. I mean, he he's uh he's look a lot of actors and leading men are short, 
there was just something kind of always obvious about his height that kept him from being like, put it this way, when he was young, it was he was a guy that a lot of women were drawn to as a movie star, but men were maybe, you know, they liked, sure, they liked Top Gun and they liked Risky Business, but it was like, you know, it was more that era of like Arnold, you know, by the way, Arnold's probably like an inch taller than Tom Cruise, but um, he didn't present himself that way. He's like that machismo kind of thing. And then around Mission Impossible, you're right. He kind of like earned, I mean, God knows how many freaking jumps out of a minority report. I mean, yeah, he did. It's a couple of the stunts built it like the stunts built that aura, but like he was always over, you know, he, he has sort of a movie version of like Napoleon complex or like, and it's not like he's, I'm not saying he's like cartoonishly short, but there was something about him where he's always chip on his shoulder and his both like, obviously he's trying so hard in what he does. He never had that effortlessly cool thing that, you know, Steve McQueen had. Right. And when everything's cynical in the 90s and early 2000s, you know, everything has to be a little more cynical to be cool. That's the time when we turned on him because he was so earnest. Right. And he's like the U2 of movie stars. He's just like, there is no cynicism to what he's doing. It's completely earnest. But the thing about that is if you do it for 30 years and you jump out of that plane for the 5,000th time and you do it, people come around, especially then you flip the other way. Everything was CGI. Everything was computer done and everything had this layer of maybe very beautiful, but a little bit fake. And then it was something cool about like, I know when I go see Tom Cruise, he's jumping that motorcycle off that cliff. Like he's doing that. And he kind of came back around with this like second level of sort of, you know, to your, use your term badassery, but he had to kind of always work for it. It never came naturally to him. Well, I will say that the, the, the media campaign promotional campaign to make people aware that they know that this is Tom Cruise doing this yeah. is aggressive. So that's that seems to be just their it's entire strategy. More and more so for sure. With these yeah. movies is okay, how do we promote this? Just show mm-hmm. Tom Cruise jumping totally. a thing and that's, ever that's since all. the Dubai uh building, right? That yes. was kind of the turning point cuz that, that that was something where I think we all, we all knew he did his own right? stunts. Yeah. I believe so. Those like that. I love all those they movies. All I never remember which title is what. But they're all great. But but yeah, I think we all knew he did his own stunts. What does that really mean? And you think, okay, well, he's on this building, but sure. And then that's when we all kind of learned through like the virality of like, no, 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 he's like actually on this building in Dubai and there's the Matt Damon story and blah, blah, blah. That was when all of a sudden that became like, you know, interesting to everyone, of course, to me, me included. And then as marketers do. Like I said, they kind of turn this into a side narrative of these movies. Like, hey, this movie's going to be cool. Here's the plot. There's going to be some cool stuff. And also, like you said, Kent, three months before it comes out, we're going to show you this great Instagram video of him doing the stunt. And yeah. that's going to be like this. You've got to go see this on the big screen. Kind of side reason. It's interesting. Yeah, it does seem like the pl- actual plot of these movies are a means to an end, which is not really a bad thing uh, with with these. At least they know what they are in that self-aware way, which leads me, I guess, to a second part of this precursor conversation before we dive into the the big review is why didn't this one do well opening weekend? Mm, we've had this conversation too many times this summer. $54 million uh, behind Mission Impossible Fallout's opening weekend of $61 yeah. million. But the yeah. budget on this one, Richard, and granted, this is you know, during delays and all that, mm-hmm. 290 million Yep. and fallout cost 180. I wonder how much of that 
I don't think any. I don't know how they announced these. I wonder if any, since this is part one of two, how much of that is like, if any of that 290 is usable for part two, right? If they like certain Maybe. sets they built or I don't know, locations. I think they they're shut, shut down on part two right now because of the strike. Oh, wow. Interesting. Okay. So, um, yeah, no, these, this, I mean, this did fine. 80 is it's one of those that like, if we didn't have two massive other blockbusters coming next week would certainly have legs more than a lot of things, right? It even showed that early on, like it had a pretty, you know, it kept going at that rate for the five day weekend. It made 80, you know, so this would be something if, if it was like last summer, certainly isn't the cultural hit of Top Gun because people have been waiting for that for 40 years, but you could see this having a nice little like four week run of like, you know, it makes whatever 59 the first weekend, it makes 49 the next weekend. And all of a sudden you kind of get there without that big burst. But I don't know with, you know, there's a lot of theater real estate taking, uh, taken up in the next week with Barbie and Oppenheimer. So yeah, um, this, I don't this, know what the legs could be. This is the it one really, this is the weekend that I felt like if it's going to crush, it's going to crush this weekend. It's yeah. going to make a hundred million dollars. And then middle the rest of the way just because of competition, not because of it being mm-hmm. bad. And it'll be another classic, you know, Edge of Tomorrow situation where we're like, this is actually good. Tom Cruise is yeah. doing fun things. Why aren't people going to see this? And I didn't want that to be the case. But yeah. Again, I want, I'm a Tom Cruise fan. I, I do want to say, though, that I, there's a lot of things that he things he associate, is associated with and people he is associated with personally that I think turn people off. And uh, I understand that. And so, um, I have heard some of that, uh, you yeah. know, talk radio, things like that throughout sure. the week was, I can't ever see a cruise movie because of There's, just who he is as a person. Part of that is like David Miscavige and a lot of what that group does is what, well, you know, allegedly, you know, pretty abhorrent in, in a lot of the reports and documentaries and things you see. So I don't know of how that affects this, but it's certainly, this has a great, every, you know, great audience score. Everyone that seems to see it likes it these always do fine but yeah again we talked about with indiana jones like other than avatar like nothing should cost 300 million now a lot of that might be unavoidable because of the 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 covid ghost protocols and the delays and all of that stuff so um you know maybe this would be 190 million again uh without all that i don't know but it's like they said 400 million overall with the marketing i think they'll get that back um, yeah, I think this some, makes six hundred million something, but seven hundred million. Yeah, but they Paramount needed it to make, you know, it, it, to, to really be excited about it. Probably double, yeah. probably make eight hundred million to be like, okay, cool. This is a tent pole. This pays for itself, pays all of our salaries, and it pays for a risk on another movie that we, you know, that's what you need these to do. You need these tent poles to like protect you to help you search for new franchises because that's what pays for it in case those don't pan out. But did you hear that's that? That's not going to do it. Maybe Batman Shane can confirm this our Paramount insider or whatever, but <laughs> that the budget for this Skydance in the original agreement had agreed. Uh, we'll pay, you know, we'll split the cost of this, but we're not, if it goes over budget, we're not covering that. Mm. And then, then the COVID hit. So Paramount had to fork Every overage bill for this movie. So they really need it to to hit. But they uh, you know, they had Maverick last year. I think they're yeah doing pretty good things. Has anybody asked Tom Cruise just straight up in an interview? Um yeah, I love that motorcycle stunt, but where's Shelly Miscavige? You know, just (laughs) 
Yeah, I know. It's, I, it's, I can't it's believe a, no one has draw, has done that. Just said, yeah, you know they what? Keep if it, this ruins so my glib. career, but like this you're will be so worth it. glib, Kent. No, yeah, I, that <laughs> they do run the risk of, and I notice it a bit with this movie. A, the kind of overly relying on the stunt stuff to market this, his craziest stunt yet, and then that in turn makes it about him, right? As like a major reason, like he, he now all of a sudden Cruz is kind of your guy promoting this and that's always risky because he's an alien you know he doesn't you know i wish you could have ethan hunt out promoting this but like when it's tom cruise unless he's literally jumping out of a plane with james corden every other interaction is awkward and very (laughs) scripted and very protected and all the things that come with that so it's it's uh yeah it's 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 bizarre I, i really did think i mean i'm not bummed about it because brian Brian got this in movie draft, right? I believe so. And he and I are battling. So no, it wasn't me. Uh, and I've got Barbieheimer coming. I got the the handcuffs of Barbieheimer next week. So I'm not mm-hmm. bummed that this didn't totally crush. I'm a little it, I did. worried that Barbie and Oppenheimer reviews haven't come out yet, though. Uh, they're both uh, whatever they called silo till tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. They keep okay. Like one or two leak, and then they delete them from all the sites. So like it's it's the uh, I've seen some buzz on Oppenheimer. That's been good. I've Seen very little buzz on Barbie. I thought they would have tried to get that going early if it was good. But same, oh, same. Yeah, we'll there see. was a couple things last week. I could hit round. T- I saw some screenshots. It was like a hundred percent with five reviews, and then those all got wiped. Got it. So, but that doesn't mean it's a hundred percent. I'm just saying whatever. Yeah. That, whoever those five were, but yeah, I think tomorrow the embargo. There you go. Embargo pulls Lips up on so, Tuesday. Yep. Sweet. It'll be interesting. Yeah. It's. I mean, he is a sixty year old movie star. It's not like he's resonating with a large he looks great and he can still do all the stuff and he's not human so what even is age i think there's an um, element of sequelitis to this too where people yeah, just assume sure. i haven't seen the last two so i'm not even going to try with this one it's yeah. two and a, it's almost three hours i'll and catch another it one after another, that another, i'll catch it at, yeah i'll catch it later yep it'll be on and, paramount and plus i think that's a little unfair to these because i think these are super fun easy to jump right into they are. Everything yeah. is kind of just explained in exposition, really obviously mm-hmm. at the front, and you just kind of go on a ride. And there are some through lines, but you know, it's not, not this essential. isn't the MCU. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree. It's it's uh they kind of operate like serial spy novels. Like in like the TV show. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they remind so, you're right. That's like a TV show from a bike. Now everything's so serialized, but used to be, you know, you could you could pop in on an X-Files every week and it didn't matter if you'd seen the rest of the season. Now that's kind of gone. It's kind you of have to just like, rebooting the mission impossible show. You know, they just kind of kept yep. that format of these do have to be kind of self-contained yep. as their own stories within a larger story. Yeah. And they've done a great job with this. I, you know, what's funny is didn't go I'm back s- and watch all the mission impossibles before this one, which I was scared. It's like, man, am I going to have to watch the first one because they're going to, this is so many callbacks and this is the end. But I was very, very relieved that there were some callbacks, but it wasn't mm-hmm. like, oh, if you didn't see that one, you're you're not going to enjoy this. No. So all you Rogue Nation stands out there, don't worry. <laughs> You'll get your payoff. That's why Brian's not on tonight, we should say. He's, uh, he just, he had to watch them all seven times and uh, he didn't get it done. Did not get it done in time. Well, I want your general thoughts on this, Richard. Because my general thoughts were, wow, I had a hell of a time with that. That was that was fun. It flew by. 
uh, no pun intended, but I don't know if I liked it more than the last one, but I don't know. You know, <laughs> it's, it's tough. I, at first Fallout I was like, rules, I definitely man. didn't like it more than the last one, more yeah. than Fallout when I left. But then like a day or two went by and I was like, did I like it more? I don't know. It's a maybe recency bias or recency frustration or whatever it is, but it's very tough to keep topping yourself with these. It is. It is. Absolutely. And especially when I know that's not the series, but strap himself to a plane the last one, you know. Yeah. And last year he's flying Mach 10 and you know, all this stuff runs together, you know, even even uh <laughs> non non mission impossible movies. His, his character's go- name should just be Tom Cruise in every yeah. movie. And it, it always is. does. He's just he is himself in every universe. I will say, compared to the last one, I love Fallout so much. I think it's such a good yeah. action movie among the best uh of all those. Ghost Ghost Protocol is really good. Protocol, Mission Impossible 3 with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Awesome. It's actually great too. It's great. So like He's a, such a good villain. One that so... never really gets talked about. MI2 gets all the all the buzz because of the Sweet Limp Biscuit soundtrack. Yeah. Metallica. And all that John Woo, all those doves. Hey, hey, hey. You're out going now. Um, but Fallout's maybe the best of all of them. Um, so this not living up to that isn't necessarily a bad like a demerit it's a i I like this quite a bit i mean i'm totally in the bag for these like i love anything sort of it has to be really bad espionage adjacent stuff for me to not like it like i always say like i'm always reading three books at once normally a nonfiction book of some kind normally some sort of literary fiction and then always a crappy spy novel and i just I'm in the bag for it, so yeah, it's hard are, for me to grade. You're the official spy correspondent of <laughs> yeah. of Mad About Movies. Yeah, besides so Adrian, I, who's an actual spy. Absolutely, we know we know what you're up to, Adrian. We know you travel too much, but yeah. So I I kind of like Brian, maybe with some sci-fi. Like this is hard for me to give a really objective grade because I'm mm-hmm. if this is decent, I love it. So it's hard for me to tell if this is very good or just decent. I loved it, but. Uh, you know, it's not like these are hardcore spycraft movies. They're sort of silly, big action movies where someone wears a mask. But I just like the propulsive nature of these stories. I like the kind of basic uh, setups, who's good, who's bad. They do a great job of always introducing new characters that you're not really sure where they stand. Much like Fast and Furious, they always kind of end up on the side of Cruise in the next movie. But it's fun. I mean, these are this is this is right there. To me, this is perfect summer entertainment so uh, i i enjoyed it quite a bit quite a bit so you you like to you just don't know as much as if you liked as much as fallout yeah i i think first in reaction was stronger for fallout just leaving the theater yeah. the feeling Fallout's I had. awesome man but i might end up liking this one more just because of individual elements but i i don't know i mean the ghost protocol is great these these all kind of run together and so main not issue i have but like what was kind of eye rolly for me, and I want your thoughts on this, was mm-hmm. basically the plot of the entity. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's where we're going in the world, but I, maybe the execution of that idea was a bit a bit cringe yeah. to me. What about you? There's always, yeah, I agree. There's kind of always some. It always goes way too big with like the level of, which is fine, but like the level of of villainy on top of villainy on top of this secret organization and this secret society. And this, and so they, when you're seven movies in, they become much more and more absurd. The, the, and now we're like, okay, now it's just, it's AI. We'll just do AI. 
We can't. Yeah. We Out of can't. nowhere, too. It's like, yeah. it's never really a concern, and now it's there, taken over. It there's has a taken speech, over the world. There's a speech at the beginning where the, it's like every buzzword from like- Oh, man, it, it became sentient. It yeah. was- it's like oh, yeah. blockchain the, and the, yeah, the AI pointer scene and all at that. the beginning was <laughs> yeah. was oh it was it was bad. I was like, oh no. This <laughs> yeah. is this is not yeah, the the visualization of it, and not to get spoiler, but there's a sequence kind of at the in the middle and a late first act where they go to a, a club in Paris and it ends mm-hmm. up being this was the AI controls this party, the AI wants us here. And then, like the whole party visualizer turns into the AI. It was just kind of, it felt very marvelly in a bad it way. Did. Yeah, yeah, it did. And and uh, I don't. Think- you expect a lot of realism with these movies, uh, sure. you know, to say this is a movie of the guys actually jumping the thing, and then we get, mm-hmm. you know, AI eyeball kind of right. popping up everywhere. It's kind of and Macquarie's a very kind of paint by numbers screenwriter. And he's very good at, at doing these these blockbusters. I don't think he's necessarily the writer as we saw with some of the the expeditionary or expedition oh, wait, dialogue. Oh, looks like there were two writers. The other one was Mark Cuban. So that explains. <laughs> there we go. Sick. But he's not necessarily the the level I would think of a writer to do kind of ripped from the headlines action movies uh-huh. without a bunch of like uh, okay here yep cool I got it yep someone watched some YouTube got it. You know, we'll see. Yeah, there is, but it, but but then once the you know again the great thing about these, um, they're like a higher brow version of Fast and Furious where you the, you go okay cool there's the plot now I'm in like how do I let's just see him get you know it's not um they do a good job what you said earlier of really navigating those points of when the set pieces should be and all of that and we're just gonna get to each one and as hard as my eyes were rolling a few times was also was equaled only by the amount my heart was thumping at other times so that's fine yeah that airport sequence kind of the first big action sequence. i guess not the first big one the first big one we should talk about richard the movie opens on a freaking submarine let's go i was like okay we're this is a sub movie i'm in and then it lasts Uh, for five minutes it's like (laughs) sephstonopool yeah yeah we need more submarines we've been more submarines more submarine content more submarine movies I think they should remake Hunt for Red October and make Cruz the Connery Russian. <gasps> oh, dude. That's be talking. just as ridiculous and fun. Now we're talking. And give me Gosling as the ball as Jack Ryan Baldwin and we're good. Let's, let's go. Every submarine movie. U five seven one with Cruz. Mm-hmm. You know, let's do that. Yeah. Widowmaker with Cruz. Yeah. Take it. <laughs> Not too spoilery, but there might be some sub in, in part two. Because yep. it doesn't seem like the submarine stuff is is completely yeah. finished. They yet. were just teasing us with that. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's where we end. Oh, that could be great. Oh, man. So they're after this. He's going to go down. Cruz is going to go down in that submarine that just exploded, isn't he? He's gonna yeah. he's gonna make it work. Something I really like about these movies is the Mission Impossible mission, right? Where he sits yeah. down and gets the mission. Should you choose to accept it, this mm-hmm. message will self-destruct. I like, I love those scenes. They're so The so best easy. one is where they trick him. I forget which, is it in Fallout or is it Rogue Nation? He goes into the record store and he goes into like the listening thing and starts playing, but then they've hacked it and then it like smokes him out and all mm-hmm. that. That's such a cool scene. Um, they go after I, the MacGuffin here of this key, right? Mm-hmm. He needs you to get the key and get it to us. That's it. And- you never really know what the key does, why 
why they need the key. It's it's the Sebastopol thing. Who got the who got the key out from under the ice? We don't really know that. All we know and care about is we got to get the key. Mm-hmm. And I liked s- some of the plot devices they used there with the sleight of hand character of Grace Haley Atwell. She was great. Such a fun addition to a yeah. movie like Mission Impossible, great. where you have somebody that can switch an item around, especially a an item of importance like that. Yep. At any moment and kind of a cat the, the way they introduced that oh there's a there's a fake piece of the key as well. I kept waiting for more of that, honestly. Mm-hmm. I thought there was going to be a big moment of oh no, this isn't the real key, this is the fake key, right? There were small ones, but I thought it was going to really come to a head at the end with like oh no, this isn't the key at all. <laughs> and she's got and oh that yeah. would have been great. They used a little lighter thing instead. The little tracker lighter thing to to switch it out. Uh, so, sh- what do you think of her being in addition to the cast? A really stacked cast, by the way, hmm, so to speak. Who, yeah, <laughs> who you know, it's it's a very s- small like family, and put it in yeah. fast terms, where you've got Ving along for the ride yep. every time. Now Simon Pegg seems to be a part of this uh, yep. every time around, and Rebecca Ferguson is back. Vanessa Kirby as well. And then you add Haley Atwell to kind of this main cast of characters. What'd you think of her? I love her. Loved her in Captain America. Loved her. Uh, think she's great. So totally was, was very excited. She was in this and she was a huge part of it. She was a, yes, a co-lead for a lot of the movie. Like I hadn't seen Asai Morales since like La Bamba. And then he's in like five things this year. He's in, <laughs> he's in that new uh, Paul Schrader movie. He's in these, like he's having a big, the Asiasans. Ren Asiasans. Anyway, Not to be confused to, I just, with the Pinkberry Asai Asans. Mm-hmm. Which was yeah. back <laughs> That in was big when that came back. Um, anyway, I just wanted to call that out because uh, I think Ozark is what brought him back, but uh, mm-hmm. hadn't, hadn't thought about him in a long time. And now he's he seems, he that's like a big kind of villainous part. And you go, huh, that was a big, big day for him when he got that one, I bet. And it feels a little bit of Iron Man 3 E. Where yeah. it's like, okay, there's this villain character that Ethan apparently knows and has been his real villain this whole time. Y'all just didn't know. It felt like that, what, the Guy Pierce character from from Iron Man 3. Yeah. Of Tony's, from Tony's past, right? You know, that's fine. Apparently there was, you know, that flashback scene in the movie with him. Apparently they did one with Cruz, like a, like a Dial of Destiny deepfake Cruz situation maybe in this movie and uh cut it out or didn't use it interesting I'm a surprised very interesting yeah no it's uh i'm very curious where this is going i don't now is in some risk i guess of uh performing up to its potential what stunt does he office. have that's going to top this one though you know he's like gotta he, go to space right he but has he, to have some yeah he's got to do that jump remember that guy jumped from space he's gonna have to do yeah, that that'd be cool uh now but until that hit, I don't think they really knew. But I am su- like, why would they? Why do they need to wrap this up? I, don't I guess because Cruz is going to be know. seventy by the time the next <laughs> one is done, and we're you know we're on it basically. <laughs> I just maybe he doesn't want to. What else does he have going on though? I can't imagine right. he's gonna. You know, he's got this, and then maybe they'll do Top Gun three. But that's think they should probably let that lie and just in terms of franchises of, he's a part of that he can just yeah constantly that's, I mean, crank this is out. all yeah. he really does i mean he did american made a few years ago which was a cool little movie but i don't i don't see him 
sitting on his hands, but I don't know what else he would do if not not one of these every five years. There might be a series out there that he's going to reboot that we just don't know about. Yeah. Like, all like the mummy, like he was thinking of of doing. That he's got his Agreed. back pocket. He's just like, wait till they hear I'm I'm going to be doing this and everyone's going to be in. John Wick 5. I'm saying, villain. Dude, put him as a villain in Fast and yeah. that would be freaking great. They do they do the stunts for real there. They drive the cars. You know, they he's, do. He is doing live, stuff. die, repeat, and repeat, allegedly. That's been a rumor for literally since 2015, though. I don't know. And then he's got another Doug Liman movie with with he and McQuarrie as the writers, by the way. Mm. It's a little it's curious. Tom, he, he Tom Cruise uh, Space S X project. I'm guessing yeah, Mission right. Impossible 8 crossed over, but it's interesting to me that they cast Pitt in the Kaczynski F1 movie and not Cruise. Like, Kaczynski yeah. wouldn't want to just get Cruise back on for, for that. I don't think an F1 car is... Enough action for Tom. Really? That you know, it's like driving a Camry to him, man. You know, he's like, God, you think you can do a Days of Thunder reboot? I think so. Yeah, this F one movie comes out and it's big. I think people will be like, "All right, Tom, your move." Maybe, but uh, yeah, I, I just don't think you know he needs to be flying, flying down, plummeting. You know, an F one car is just like uh, leave that to pit. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 200 miles an hour. Cute. Um, I thought the chemistry between Atwell and Cruz was like great too. Yeah. And he's not an easy person to have chemistry too. Yeah. He's not, he's he's not easy, easy, but, and why is this, why does Ethan Hunt keep getting these missions? It's like every person he goes on a mission with interacts with a mission ends up dead. It's like, dude, you're, you're a liability. (laughs) Yeah. I guess he's like the only one crazy enough to work for this, the IMF at this point. Right. They operate under, you know, obviously it's like a government organization that's a secret government organization. So he kind of has allegiances more to himself and like what he's trying to do than the government, which is always that great tension here, which I guess leads leads to the big question is, uh, is it you control the AI, you control the world, and is Tom Cruise going to be able to shut it off, swim down to the submarine at Arctic temperatures, mind you, mm-hmm. and shut it off before... They can do that, or yeah, does he not do it? And then that's how it ends. And then that's reboot. Is the entity is is the new villain, but we don't have Cruz because he he died trying to do trying to save us all. Hmm. Hmm. They can't kill Ethan. Uh, I think they'll kill him. It'll be a Dark Knight Rises ending, and then we'll see him. In a- okay. Yeah, he's retired. Uh, yeah. He's dead, but he's actually retired. Exactly. Or it might be a vision. We and he lives know. with, yeah, he lives with like the last four romantic leads from all these movies. All in some weird kind of uh, group home. Ving Rhames is great in these random, like I think the dialogue they give Ving Rhames is is always really impactful. The The scene of them asking Grace, and I think they talk about Ethan, talked to Ethan earlier in the movie with the same kind of sequence of, you know, you got to ask yourself the question, the same question we had to ask ourselves, you know, we all jumped in on this thing. I thought that was a great moment. And the way they brought back around with Grace at the end, I do accept was, was wonderful. So I think like this series, Macquarie, Cruise, they understand like, okay, there's three things you have to do in Mission Impossible, right? You have to have big stunts. You have to mm-hmm. say your mission, should you choose to accept it? These really kind of essential moments and- it knocked him out of the park. You can't can't do those moments every movie and have them feel fresh. And it felt fresh again 
at Mission Impossible 7. What'd you think of the big ending sequence, though, which takes place on a train? Really cool homage to Mission Impossible 1 there, right? Mm-hmm. With the cruise train, tunnel, fight, whole kind of thing. Liked it. Loved it. What about you? <clears throat> Loved it, too. There's a lot of homage, actually. The, f- the first one is probably the most helpful movie to have seen. Yeah. Um, of all of them, you know, other than maybe, you know, knowing who some certain characters are and their re- relation. But that one has the most pieces to it. Did is you see the is, is the first, is the stunt in the first one with him uh, rappelling down into the room, yeah. still the most iconic Mission Impossible moment, despite him, like, mm. strapping himself to planes and all this crazy stuff? I would stuff. say it's definitely top three, maybe number one. I don't know. I think the Dubai Tower is up there now. And then the plane strap, yeah. You, did you see the meme that went viral over the weekend that, speaking of Mission Impossible 1, that Cruz is now older than John Voight was in that movie? Wow. <laughs> you see them next to each other. It's it's <laughs> baffling. <laughs> He's on, Tom Cruise is like Tom Brady. It's oh, for like, sure. You're not a normal 40-something-year-old no. person. We just need, everyone needs to know that this is not normal. This is not how a normal person this age should be. Should be. It's It's the exception, right? Yeah, we I mean, all try to think, try to go for that. We, we might kill ourselves. Totally, and I think it's you know a heck of a billboard for your belief system to have a sixty-year-old guy out there doing that stuff. You know, I think all different faiths could could use that as an average. You know, what's that guy's secret? Well, he he uh, you know follows this uh, religion. Religion. I think that's a pretty good pretty good ad. Yeah. Well, what was your favorite moment of the movie, Richard? Open on a submarine got a big fist pump out of me. And I went to high five my wife, and then I realized I had I, I went alone. I, that actually happened. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was like, oh yes, because she knows I love submarines, and I was like, oh that's right, we have a kid, and so she had to stay home with him. Um, <laughs> but I would say, man, I'm thinking here. The party so, scenes are always great, by the way. The one in Venice, like yeah, the you know, anytime he infiltrates an opera or a party or things like that, it always reminds me of MacGruber. And I'm always in. <laughs> KFBR 392. Uh, yeah. You yeah, that, I thought that was great. I thought the, the train sequence, obviously it had this big action moment with him fighting on the roof of the train. But mm-hmm. inside the train, I loved the tension of Grace having the mask. Yeah. And then having to do the deal. And I love that trope of Mission Impossible of, of you never know if somebody's going to be somebody that's masked. And I think the, the first reveal of Ethan at the beginning when he – goes and rescues like the director or, or yeah. whatever was uh pretty it's, awesome too it's, it's always a great be, twist absolutely and it's so funny that you're you're totally right and speaking purely agnostically it's such a cheesy lazy the thing way they have for that, action the, movies but the, they the do it so that much that, that it becomes the mask great. this one i yeah is that the first one that had that like, no the there was another one where they had like a mobile backpack mask making okay. unit but yeah, but like it's one of those things that if you told me in a vacuum, I'd say that is the laziest bit of screenwriting ever. That yes. anyone can be anyone anytime, and it has this cheap twist of a thrill. And it's that stupid thing where if they only did it twice across the series, we would think, God, I wish they would stop doing that. But the fact that they do it twice a movie, I don't know why it becomes endearing. It's like its mm-hmm. thing. I don't know why I love it every time, but it, I intellectually I, I hate it's it. It's always the same way where his <laughs> arm goes completely over his yeah, head, know. you know, because that's the only way they can do the wipe. It's not just like he pulls off the face. He does this like weird like I know. he's pulling With off a elbows in front of his nose. Yeah. yeah. It's like yeah, it's like getting Jude out of his jammies. Yeah. It's so funny. I, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed the 
obviously the action's great, but I thought there was some great writing tension built in to the, to the script as well. Uh, Simon Pegg's role is just getting super eye rolly for me in this entire, entire thing. Uh, I, I hated the bomb diffusing sequence. Maybe mm. it was just the execution of like this bomb asking it questions and all that, but yeah, ended up meaning nothing. It was just, just a distraction from the real task at hand. And that's what Simon Pegg feels like in this series, a distraction oh, yeah. from the real task at hand. Being Rames can do all the, all the hacking and, and directing that, <laughs> that Ethan needs. Right. And he does most of it anyway. So the annoying thing about Simon Pegg in these films is, uh, I think he's probably paid pretty well. And so it, it oh, robs yeah, yeah. us of, of other Simon Pegg movies. That's true. Cause I love Simon Pegg and I loved him in the first, first time he's in one of these, you're like, Oh, this is great. This Simon Pegg's great. But, but what if that was Steve's on? <laughs> yeah. You know, like somebody, uh, like, give, give somebody else that has a little humorous tone yeah. to their performance. And I mean, Benji is a little one note, like yes. just nervous and just, and part of that's the writing again. But it stinks because see, I think he's a he's great Scotty comic in actor. Star Trek again. It's the same, yeah, exact same. But I'd like to thing. see him in in more original roles. But maybe those don't exist anymore because no one makes comedies. So he's like, you know what? I'll Is just Dick do one Frost of these every five still years. out there? I haven't seen him in a while. Maybe I think he had some kind of show recently. Yeah. Uh, last couple of years, I saw a trailer for. It. I was like, oh man, what a time! Well, this one was was pretty strong, man. It was too long, though. I mean. Everyone leaving the theater was like, that was the longest movie of my entire life. I didn't really feel it that much. I, I went to the bathroom one time, but like, didn't, didn't feel it as a movie. Like, this is not well paced. Maybe it's because that last train sequence is literally like 45 minutes. So, <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> wish there were two versions of this because I'm going to watch this 30 more times. This is, I always yeah. put these on on like Saturday afternoon, just like put them on, do some chores around the house, come in, come out, watch five minutes here, watch five minutes there. And for that, they cannot be long enough. I would love a four-hour cut of this because that just eats up an afternoon. I don't have to change to the next movie. That's also why I never know which one's which because I've seen. So yeah, I love the two hours and forty minutes for that. When this goes but on yeah, TNT, wish... it's going to be like five hours. Yeah, but I I <laughs> wish there was a uh, two-hour five-minute cut for for theaters because people just aren't built for that. Let's get to a grade here okay. before we hit weekly recommends. What are you going to grade? Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. First watch through, it's a little long, it's really fun, really cheesy, felt a little fast and furious in parts and less Mission Impossible, but the Mission Impossible parts were great. I'm just going through my whole math right now. And there's a submarine and there's Russians, but there's also AI. So, okay, I'm going to come and out of the A-. And Haley Atwell. Oh, that just bumped it up. What was A-? minus? I'm going to go solid A then. What about you? Yeah, on a for Atwell. First, first impression is is a minus, uh, but I think I could bump it up to an A by the end of the year. Like I said, it's it's growing on me more, more and more. I was probably even lower than an A minus when I left the theater, but it's growing on me up to an A minus by the time we've done the show. So, yeah, man. Like I said, I don't know how he's going to top himself for this last one. He's got something up the sleeve, right? He knew this was going to be two parts. Yeah. So he's like, okay, let's do this tease stunt in the first one and then really hammer it home. Or do we do the big stunt in the first one to hook everybody in and then they're already go see the second one because of that? I don't know. It's going to be gonna be crazy if they get it done, you know? Probably going to have to push that one back again. But don't spend $300 million this time. <laughs> or yell at people. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's hit a weekly recommend. Weekly recommends. What you got this week, Richard? I got a book. Um, came out, I believe, last year. One of my favorite writers. We've talked about him before on the show. Um, but I don't think I recommended this book when it came out. So I'll, I'll hit it up now because I, I audibled it um, a couple weeks ago. And that's Happy Go Lucky by David Sedaris. Um, nice. There's a great story in it. We love David Sedaris. And you and I also love Amy Sedaris. And uh, Kent, there's a great story about Amy in it. Um, you know, she always kind of pops up as a character in his books, but there's like a full on kind of story about their relationship and God, she's funny and he's funny. And there's some laugh out loud things in it. There's also a, uh, a commencement address that he wrote and gives. And it's just the most sedacity thing ever. Like always recommends for, <laughs> for college students to do most of it's around scented candles. Um, it's great. So highly recommend all of his stuff, but happy go lucky is great. And, and a lot of stuff around the death of his father and their, their complicated relationship, blah, blah, blah. So, um, yeah, it's great. Probably the greatest, you know, family. Right? Yeah. Amy and David, right. Who, you know, they have a, be a better house. pair of, of, <laughs> of people you'd want to like have a dinner with, right. <laughs> like two totally interesting, totally opposite personalities. Yeah. But have both a, are insane, and, but funny and, and fun. Crazy. Are, yeah. But both love each other to the core. It's like very weird. Yeah, yeah. I, what they're awesome. I mean, anything they pop up in, they. Both uh, of them, I'm, I'm all. I tune in for sure. The two of them bought the rest of the family a beach house in Carolina, or maybe he bought. I don't know. But it's called the C section, and that's all you need to know about that family. S S E A C section. I know he's doing. I know he's probably pretty rich, but she's got that Mandalorian money now. So yeah, I don't know if that's yep. That's going to be paying. She bought the apartment above her. That's part of the story. She bought the apartment above hers in New York city, but did not connect them. So she has to like go on, get out, go down the hallway, go up the common stairs and come back down the hallway to go to her second floor. <laughs> you know, we've talked about Martin short being yeah. the greatest late night guest yeah, of all time in there. terms of, if you want to see somebody that's that killed every time, just go yeah. watch Amy Sedaris on David Letterman. I mean, mm-hmm. It's just five minutes of jokes. She's incredible. I mean, that's like literally how it's done is, what, is how she was doing it. She was. And the best part is, and this is a credit to Dave too. Very rarely did she have anything to promote. She yeah. would just kind of show She'd up. Just go on there and be funny and, and talk. Yeah. Yeah. She, she rarely yeah, had something to promote. All right. Yeah. David Sedaris, big endorsement. Yeah, and looking. also pods featuring him because he's got a great voice. Yeah. So he does have a great listen voice. Listen to the pods or the audiobook if you. If you get a chance to do that, Richard, I'm going to recommend a documentary that I watched. I love a good heist. Mm. Heists. Heists are always good. This one's called the jewel thief. And it's about this guy, uh, named, I forgot the guy's name, but he was this, uh, kid who lived in, Oh, Blanchard was his name. He lived in Canada. And as a kid, he basically started shoplifting at an early age, right? And got 
super comfortable with it, started shoplifting more and more. He he would like, okay, I'm going to steal stuff from a convenience store. And then he would steal something from a radio shack. And then he would rob the entire radio shack. And he just kept building and building until he figured out how to hack ATMs and how to break into them. And he stole millions from ATMs in Canada and no one knew how or, or who it was for the longest time. And it was super interesting, but it all culminates in this robbery of this priceless um, star, like a brooch, like a, you were wearing your hair, interesting, right? Okay. That, that has like diamonds and pearls. It was worn by the queen of um, Austria, I believe, something like that. And uh, so he's at the museum, stole that. So that that was the most notorious crime. But like before that, this guy was basically a kid and was stealing $750,000 per ATM that he would break into. <laughs> and it's an unbelievable story. True, crazy, and uh, documentary is really good on it. So it's called The Jewel Thief. But really, it should be the ATM thief guy because that, that, that was his main, his main source of business. But yeah, he goes into detail about how he did it why he did it and the links at which he went to to pull this stuff off which is truly crazy so check it out The Jewel Thief and it came out this year so I think it's Netflix something like that alright there we go there's Weekly Recommends and Mission Impossible 7 Dead Reckoning semicolon part 1 we'll see you next year hopefully Tom but until then we'll see all of you in the VIP and at the cinema goodbye Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged <laughs> But I don't know what to do With those tossed salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again Scrambled eggs all over my face They're making me ya-ya yeah, yeah. Silence is rambling